from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Chiefs. This is your episode for Wednesday, and we have a fantastic guest in Eric Eager uh, from PFF. He will be coming at you shortly, but l- first, let's get to the news for today. What news? Uh, rather disappointing news, to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hard pill to take, right? I mean, we knew it was coming, but it doesn't mean that we had to like it. I honestly, I, I expected it to be a, uh, you know, we couldn't come to terms on an acceptable salary. Uh, I did not expect to see what we heard on Tuesday uh, about Derek Johnson. Well, I mean, it makes sense. They want to go a different direction. They want to go younger. I think that actually kind of plays well um, because I think that means that they're gonna. There's many more moves to come. I think that's why they let him go now. Uh, but I also think that that this probably also means that you can kiss any chance of Dustin Colquitt coming back goodbye. I have to agree with you. I and and folks, just so we don't mince words, uh, Derek Johnson is not going to be a chief in 2018. Um, it's not going to be a situation where he tests the market, quote unquote, and finds that there's maybe not as much money out there for him in terms of interest. Which is, which is the way a lot of people were were putting it out there to begin with. Right, right. The Chiefs have clearly, with their announcement and their uh, embrace of Derek on Tuesday, decided to move on. They uh, are not interested in having him on this roster in 2018. And in part, I can understand that, but in part, I still think he has a role to play on third down. Uh, and we're going to talk about with that with Eric as well. But there are teams, and unfortunately, a number of them in the AFC that are probably going to be interested in Derek Johnson. Yeah, don't even mention who I think you're going to. Don't want to go there. Eric already brings it up later. I don't want to talk about it now. <laughs> but uh, the long and short is the, the leading tackler in Chiefs history uh, is going to be a and, Chief no more. And future... Chief Hall of Famer. Yeah, Ring of Honor, easily. Yep. Uh, and he expressed his his sentiment uh, about wanting to retire a chief as well. Um, so uh, this is a guy that I don't know. I haven't read Therese's piece yet on it, but I'm sure it will be in depth. Um, and, and we'll try to reach out and see if we can get any kind of contact as well. Um, but this is a guy who wanted to be a chief. Yep. Uh, it seems that he's disappointed that the, the, the leadership has made this decision. Uh, so – don't hold it against him. He may sign elsewhere. I have a feeling that he will. Um, but remember, this is like the Jamal Charles situation. This is the team deciding that they are no longer interested in having him on the roster. Yeah, but don't you think that also means that there's a lot more decisions that are coming down the stretch? I mean, I to, me, to me, this move means that they're going to be a little bit more aggressive than uh, some people have thought that they might be. Yeah, and certainly me. I thought I literally thought there would be a conversation about him returning and how much that would cost. I thought it was going to be a dollars per down kind of thing. Um, clearly, it isn't. Um, and I agree with you. I think that means the end. Uh, it, it forecasts the end of, of Dustin Colquitt's career in Kansas City as well, um, and maybe several others. And like you said, the aggression part can easily be tied to uh, what this GM does. Brett Veach is going to correct this. Um, it's got me honestly changing my philosophy about what I think is going to need to be done uh, for this roster in both free agency and the draft. Yeah, and that's understandable. I do think that this could also mean the end. Obviously, 
Uh, Tom Bahali is not going to be here next year. Um, no way they keep him uh, with releasing Derek Johnson. Derek Johnson was more serviceable than he was this year. Um, to me, I almost think this means probably the end of uh, maybe Ron Parker and Alan Bailey as well. It's certainly possibilities. Honestly, the, their contracts were structured in a way that um, these last – this elevation at this salary level, I thought they were probably overpaid um, when they signed their contracts, let alone the fact that they're a couple years older now. So uh, we will see what comes down. But uh, before we wait any longer, why don't we get to talking to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus? Welcome back. It's Locked On Chiefs, and we are doing a special. We have Eric Eager with us from Pro Football Focus. We're going to go over this defense, and in light of what we heard today, uh, as we're recording this, uh, fresh news about the actual uh, voiding of Derek Johnson's contract. We're going to get to that here in a second, but uh, we are with Chris Clark. I'm Ryan Tracy, and Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, this kind of feeds into what I was going to ask you about in the first place, but I guess we should address the uh, the news of the day that um, the Chiefs feel, as a lot of us have probably speculated, that Derek Johnson's time uh, in Kansas City has come to an end, that while he still got some value, uh, they're choosing to get younger and move on. And I, I think really the, the question is, how do you see his value across the league? Yeah, I mean, I think he he had one of our better numbers in terms of like yards allowed per, in you know per snap and pass coverage. Um, he you know had over the years grown less sturdy against the run. So you know, I think the Chiefs started to figure out how to use him a little bit in terms of having Pierre Lewis and and Raglan take series away from him and things like that. Um, but I you know. I would say that if if he were to come back to Kansas City or to to sign with a different team for less money, I mean, I think his role would be sort of as a veteran, um, to you know, playing in like dime and nickel packages uh, as a, as a coverage linebacker. A team like you know, for example, the Patriots, you know, used to deploy guys like Junior Seau that way, and you know, I think he'd be sort of a perfect um, kind of player for for a team uh, like that, especially if Johnson's looking to win a championship before the. Uh, before his career's over, and that's going to make a lot oh, of Chiefs fans pick the one, right? The one team nobody wants to hear him going to. <laughs> I get it, though. I mean, I got. I was just going to say, I get it. I get why you would say that. I get why it would be a smart move for them. Uh, gives them a skill set that is hard to find. Um, coverage linebackers aren't, especially inside linebackers aren't uh, very plentiful in the NFL. So it would be a good fit. Uh, and he's not going to be able to get a, a big contract elsewhere. I agree with that. My question to you is, is where does Kansas City go from here? Yes, they have Kevin Pierre-Lewis, but he's a free agent. And yes, they have Reggie Ragland, but he's not the same type of player as Derek Johnson. Uh, it really looks like they're going to have to rebuild that inside linebacking core, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they can get by if they have better uh, a better secondary, to be quite honest. The the, the Chiefs had got, you know, over the years had dealt with, you know, players like Josh Malga, um, I think even like Akeem Jordan before him, um, players like, um, you know, Rameek Wilson, who's a player they had cut in a season and brought back. I think, you know, if you think Reggie Ragland's a good player and you think, you know, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I don't know how if they're going to re-sign him or something or, or go with uh, Rameek Wilson again. But I think the real issue for the Chiefs is the fact that when they went three safeties last season, 
um, the Daniel Sorensen and Eric Murray's and the and the Ron Parker simply couldn't play the roles as well as the guys like Tavon Branch, uh, Hussein Abdullah, Eric Berry. Uh, and so forth. And I think that like the chiefs really want to get into these sub packages and play um, and play that way. And I think you need the, the sort of the horses in the secondary to do that. And due to injuries and ineffective play, I think that's really where we sort of saw that, you know, that defense is not, you know, particularly stable to, you know, a guy like Johnson losing a step. So I do agree that they have to look there, but I don't think that that's, you know, I think that there are actually really decent options in free agency and even, um, you know, you know, possibly the draft um, where you can find big safeties to come down and play that, that inside position, uh, you know, the 45% of the time that the Chiefs want to play dime. Yeah, the big safety in this draft, I think, is probably the strength. I think if they're looking to to move on from Ron Parker, which is another rumor that's been going around, I think that's more difficult because this draft class doesn't seem to be as heavy on the free safety side of the group. Um, but before we move into all that, I want to ask you one other thing. What do you guys think? Because I look at it as, like you said, in in pass protection mode, I think he can still play Derek Johnson. And with the injury to Ryan Shazier, I, I wonder if – Getting a guy that can play first and second down there, which I expect them to do in the draft, I wonder if Derek doesn't fit in Pittsburgh pretty well as that dime linebacker. Right. I mean, Pittsburgh really struggled once uh, the once Shazier went out because you know they they had a difficult time with the the Spences and I'm trying to think of Moats really struggled with the backs out of the backfield. Uh, the Baltimore game comes to my mind immediately, and you know that defense really did fall off a cliff. So yeah, sure. I mean. The the issue with Johnson to me is always going to be can you li- can you limit his snaps and 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 play him in in advantageous times in which case a team that's sort of linebacker needy is really going to I, I don't think he's going to be the answer there it's got to be a team you know that has a decent stable and he just kind of comes in as a complementary piece a very good one at that but a complementary piece nonetheless. Well, and so you mentioned. Well, Ryan mentioned, I think, Ron Parker, and I think that's the next place we need to really go and talk about this defense. Do you think that he's going to be back in Kansas City? Do you think that he is still a serviceable uh, safety for them uh, with Eric Berry coming back, hopefully? Or do you think that they need to move on uh, from his contract and, and maybe look elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I've always I've always thought that Ron Parker is a very good player. I think he led all safeties in like pass breakups in 2016. Um, what I do think that it shows, and, and it shows the same thing with Sorensen as well. Um, although I think to a bigger degree with Sorensen, I think what it just shows is that Ron Parker can't be the the versatile um, safety uh, that play you know does everything and and doesn't have somebody like Barry um, in his you know. It, you know, behind him, around him, you know, you know, covering for him, that kind of thing. I think if if you can count on Eric Berry uh, to come back and, and play, you know, 16 games in 2018, I think you can. I think you can reasonably say that Ron Parker would be worth the contract that he has. Um, what I think would even help the Chiefs even more would be to sign somebody like Tavon Branch or like Morgan Burnett from Green Bay. I'm um, just kind of having a third safety there, and then Parker becomes the kind of player that they've always sort of liked him to be, which is a guy that can come down and play in the slot, a guy that can come down and play in that dime role or play deep. I think last season, you know, he was just a key and Murray and, and Sorensen were just exposed for the fact that like they didn't have Barry there. 
That makes a lot of sense. I, I like that you bring up Branch, a guy that's familiar with the system. I, I personally am a fan of Burnett. I like the way he plays. Uh, another guy that I'm interested to see is is a little bit younger. Uh, Vaccaro's up for a contract as well. I don't know that New Orleans lets him go, but in terms of that that third role safety that the Chiefs like to use in a little bit of deep and, and a lot in the box, he should fit that role too, shouldn't he? Absolutely, and he played a little bit in the slot for a sort of a resurging New Orleans Saints defense as well. I don't think he was particularly great there, but um, it was something that he was capable of doing. And, you know, I think that, I think to me, Morgan Burnett's one of those guys that, you know, Green Bay kind of figured out how to deal with sort of sub packages last season where you sort of take your best player and you play him everywhere, and then you tell you know, sort of down the depth chart safeties, okay, you're playing one role. You're playing deep, you know, a deep half of the field. You're playing deep middle of the field or something like that. And you let Burnett, you know, there were many games where Burnett simply played linebacker the entire game um, and did so with decent aplomb. Um, Branch is another guy. Branch Branch was playing a lot of nickel corner for the Chiefs um, in 2015, um, but he can also, he's shown over the last two years that he can play a deep safety position for the Cardinals. Uh, pretty well. So, you know, you just have a, having having that versatility there matters a lot. I think with Kendall Fuller in the mix, his ability to play in the slot, same thing with Steven Nelson. I don't think that the Chiefs should value necessarily that safety to slot uh, versatility as much as they should be able to value that safety down into the box as, a, as an inside linebacker type of versatility. And, and you see that with, you know, guys like uh, um, Burnett. So do you think that they move on from Daniel Sorensen then from what you're saying just because of uh, the way he played last year and he doesn't really fit uh, what they need or, or where they're where they need to get better? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually during the preseason, I thought he was a guy that could have gotten released only because I, you know, and obviously his contract was weird, but, um, you know, with, I think it depends upon how they view his value on special teams because he's still – of a plus special teams player and sort of always has been. And I know the chiefs really do value special teams, but you know, they have a guy like they have a guy like um, uh, Eric Murray in the fold. And he, you know, he's a player that's was fantastic as a special teams player, both uh, seasons of his career. Um, they have uh, Leon McQuay, they have uh league They have a bunch of sort of role players that they've, they've used on special teams. So maybe, you know, Sorensen with his contract, it might simply not be worth it. But um, I, I would, I would be very surprised if they went into 2018 and had him playing, had having him slotted to play any sort of snaps uh, as a defensive player. Well, and we've covered the big positions uh, that are, that are pretty obvious and a little bit newsworthy right now. But um, my question to you is when you look overall in terms of the, the guy that was the starter for this defense, what's the biggest glaring need who, who scored out according to PFF the worst uh, as a starting position, really? Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, guy, I, you're looking at that right edge position first and foremost, in my opinion, um, you know, it's really hard to it's really hard to you know get pressure on the quarterback, especially when you don't put a ton into your defensive backfield like they did last year. Um, when you know D Ford plays a little over 300 snaps, he gets you know something like only 15 total pressures. Frank Zombo plays about 600 snaps, he gets 21 pre- total pressures. I mean, you're simply getting nothing on the. On the left hand side, or the, sorry, the left hand side of the offense's uh, 
of the offense. And, and so Justin Houston's forced to be basically like their only pass rusher from the edge. And, you know, and he's fantastic, but, you know, he has injury history and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, they can chip to his side and things like that. So I think for them, it's, it's really going to have to boil down to them finding, um, and they've never really done this, uh, you know, in, in the Bob Sutton era, but they really need to find, I think, a couple pass rushers um, that can, that can play roles uh, as opposed to trying to play the same two guys every snap like they have with Holly and Ford um, opposite Houston. They need to find a bunch of pass rushers that they can sort of mix in and out, some that are good against the run, some of that are good against the pass, um, that kind of thing. Otherwise, I think that they're going to have some of the same problems. And I think sort of secondary to that is they need to get somebody in the interior of the defense other than Chris Jones who can provide a push because, you know, over time – you know, the Chiefs defense and that odd man front has gone from sort of a, an old school odd man front where the defensive linemen sort of take up blockers. The NFL has really changed and, you know, you're going to need guys on the interior to really, um, you know, get pass rush, get, you know, push the pocket a little bit. Otherwise, um, you're going to see a lot of games like we saw last year where the, their defense simply is either going to wear down or just be uber, you know, susceptible to the pass um, than they should be. And you talk about... Uh, the defense and the right edge. I guess my first question would be, where does that leave the Chiefs with D Ford? Do you think he still is going to be in Kansas City? And then secondarily on that, uh, you know, you talk about interior pressure, and I know uh, technically speaking, it's interior because he's playing defensive end, and and you have edge rushers. Uh, what about Alan Bailey? I mean, he seems like a guy that has a high cap number. Uh, that could that they may be looking to move on from because he doesn't provide any pass rush. Yeah, he had just thirty pressures the entire season, um, and that was something that was, you know, wasn't great. He was also very, you know, unsturdy against the run, which is again, you know, the NFL has really put a lot of pressure on some of these interior players to be both sturdy against the run and provide a push, and it just doesn't seem like he's capable of doing that. He does have a pretty high cap number. I'd have to see what it is, but you know, for a team that's pretty, you know, strapped up against the cap, that would be certainly something that makes a ton of sense. So he's his number. He would save the Chiefs six million dollars by cutting him pre-June. So that would that would you know certainly help. Um, you know, I think I think they have to take a look at Tano Passingo inside um, as well, just because of you know. Uh, some of the needs they have for athleticism in there. And I also think that they simply just need to be better at dialing up blitzes. Um, you know, in the, in the Sutton era, they really haven't been um, with guys like, you know, Johnson and, and, and uh, Ramik Wilson and um, Pierre Lewis and those guys kind of, they haven't really been effective uh, in the, in the blitz game. So I'd like to see that a little bit more too. Um, you know, Free agency, it's rough, right? So there's, there's, I'm sort of looking through here. There's not a ton of free agents other than if you really want to spend on a guy like Demarcus Lawrence. Um, there's not really those like sort of mid tier edge players. So, you know, you have Ford in the building, you have him with his option. Um, I think you try to say, okay, can we recreate that 2016 season when you had double digit sacks and you stayed healthy and, you know, Hopefully we can get you better against the run, but for now, you know, just try to rush the passer, maybe limit his snaps to get a little bit, get a sturdier guy to play uh, on on the edge on on you know first and second down, and then just move forward from there. 
I think that's a great idea, and, and maybe they find that in in house because you're right. I, I think it has to come from the draft. This free agent group is either going to be uber expensive or probably not up to snuff. The other one that stands out to me though is, and I think for the most part, PFF grades go about with where I saw them, but the right cornerback position as well. We talked about Fuller earlier. Uh, Fuller really belongs in the slot to to, to maximize his production, right? Right, and the Chiefs, you know, don't play a, a ton of base 3-4. I mean, you're talking about a quarter of their snaps, uh, you know, maybe a third of their snaps in some games. So, you know, Kendall Fuller is going to be a starter, you know, and, and I don't see a ton of risk in putting him on the outside. I think he's probably a better outside corner than when they would kick Nelson out there in the in the base defense. Um, Terrence Mitchell's a free agent. I actually think Terrence Mitchell played better than his statistics because I think he was picked on relentlessly and he made some big plays and he you know obviously gave up some big plays. So you know I don't have a huge issue with sort of like making him compete. The problem the Chiefs had last year was that they anointed him the starter at right corner and gave him almost no competition despite his pedigree. Um, you know, but you think about guys, you know, the, the free agent, you know, cornerbacks that are available. I mean, there's a ton, right? So you have, you know, the Tremaine Johnson's on the top end of the market. You have the, you know, the guys like um, Rashawn Melvin from the Colts, who I think actually is a scheme fit, very much fits. And due to his injuries last year, he might be relatively inexpensive. Um, you have a guy like Vontae Davis, another former Colt, who I just got cleared from injury, um, you know, uh, for, you know, be a physical this week. There's actually a ton of options there. And I think if you're looking at a place for the Chiefs to sort of overcorrect, you know, going into an offseason, you know, where, you know, you really sort of like, you know, we're playing with the edge. And then a guy like Steven Nelson gets hurt. Now, not only do you have to play Terrence Mitchell, but you also have to play Philip Gaines, who, you know, was an absolute disaster. I think the Chiefs will sort of overcorrect and say, okay, we got Kendall Fuller, but now let's get a two other guys and let's bring back Terrence Mitchell and let's, you know, let's make these guys compete and let's have some depth so that we're not dealing with guys like Philip Gaines and Kenneth Acker and, and you know, and Terrence Mitchell should, uh, or even like Marcus Peters gets suspended. Like, you know, they were out there with Daryl Revis and, you know, he, he he can't play anymore. So you know, I think I think they'll overcorrect there, and 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 uh, and you know, in, a, in the the way the league is now, they absolutely should. What about a guy like Kyle Fuller? Right, I think Kyle Fuller is going to require a lot of money. Um, I think he's related to Kendall Fuller. Is that right? Yeah, it's his older brother. Brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I mean, that you might have an in there. I mean, Kyle Fuller has had a lot of good moments in his first you know four or five years. Um, he's, he hasn't been great at times. He's had some injuries at times, but he certainly put a, put together a good season in 20, 2017. Um, he's going to be expensive. Uh, so, I mean, that's the only thing that the Chiefs will have to bite that bullet. So it's just a matter of priorities there. What's really nice for them is that they've, you know, they've, they've set the deck with, uh, you know, Mahomes. And so they're not going to be paying Mahomes a ton of money, um, moving forward so they can, you know, kind of prioritize other positions. And if they view cornerback that way, I think, uh, he would be a good option. The last guy at this position that I want to ask you about, and it's only because it, it came as a surprise to me when the Super Bowl came down, uh, and he wasn't a starter, uh, unrestricted free agent Malcolm Butler. Is there any reason statistically from what you all have seen and what you all have graded to think that there's any performance issue with Butler in terms of, of him being a viable free agent? Well, he, he hadn't played – terribly well in 2017 compared to where he had played in, you know, 2015, 2016. So there were some issues there, but 
I, there has to be something else there. He could, cause he's clearly better than the guy that replaced him. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of a few things. If you're the chiefs and you know, the rest of the league views what happened to him as, you know, more, more important than what really happened, then you might get a bargain there. And he's a, a good football player. So, you know, and he might have a chip on his shoulder and he can play inside, he can play outside. So, you know, that might be an, another option for them as well. Um, I think a lot of this is going to come down to price point for the Chiefs. You know, if you got a guy like like Tremaine Johnson, I think fits their scheme pretty well as a tall, you know, Sean Smith, but like better, you know, like he fits their scheme, but is he going to cost $15 million a year? You know, like the Chiefs don't have that kind of money. Um, but if if it's a guy like Malcolm Butler or a guy like Vontae Davis or a combination of guys that maybe Patrick Robinson, for example, could be a little bit down, uh, the, the, the latter a little bit in terms of money, then, you know, maybe they should take, take a flyer on a handful of those guys, as opposed to putting all their chips in sort of one big basket. Folks, you know where to find them. It's, it's PFF underscore Eric eager. And, and I know you've been on the main PFF podcast, but you've got your own thing going through the off season as well, right? That's right. Uh, my colleague, George Shahuri and I, uh, Right around, you know, January 1 started a podcast called the PFF Forecast. And, you know, on that show, we talk about, you know, basically um, some of our, our models for picking games against the spread for over-unders. Um, we're going to start some some uh, new analyses on sort of like looking at how teams have done this year, what to expect from them for the future. And then we always do a little bit of like kind of like a chalk talk analytics kind of like here's why you know people like us think that running backs are not important here's why people like us have your favorite team rated 17th when they're above 500 those kind of things and so hopefully people you know will like the podcast because i think we're going to try to you know make make the analytics uh, uh, around football fun and and try to you know do it in a way that's accessible for everybody so yeah we're you know give it give us a listen we're on itunes it's super enjoyable. And, and folks, on Twitter, PFF underscore Eric Eager. Eric, we appreciate you coming on with us. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review. And reach out to us on Twitter, at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>